0: There are a variety of reasons why employers would like to classify workers as independent contractors, such as the fact that they would not be responsible for payroll taxes or benefits, while the IRS tends to like workers to be classified as employees to ease the collection of Social Security and Medicare taxes. This podcast will help you to understand these rules. Welcome to the Accounting Tips for Entrepreneurs podcast. My name is Jeff Skolnick and I'm a CPA with 35 years of experience working with small business owners, entrepreneurs, and network marketers on how to make their business more successful by understanding how taxes can work in their favor and not hurt their business. Each and every week, I'm going to come to you with short, quick, and helpful tips on not only how to make sure you are doing everything possible to minimize your income tax liability, but also how to create the income for your business that you truly deserve. One long standing area of concern among businesses has always been whether to classify certain workers as independent contractors or employees. So the first thing I need to do is explain what the difference between the two categories is employees generally perform services for an employer that has the right to control what will be done and how it will be done the income is reported to these individuals on form w-2 independent contractors are people such as lawyers contractors accountants etc that have that are in a, in an independent trade business or profession in which they offer their services to the public these people are generally hired to perform a service but the hiring company does not control how the service is performed. Income is reported to these individuals on Form 1099. The main difference between the two categories, again, employees or independent contractors, is based largely on the amount of control they are under. So the next question is obviously, if both categories report income, then why all the controversy? Okay, there's a variety of reasons why businesses like to classify individuals as independent contractors if a business can classify an individual as an independent contractor then they do not have to withhold or pay payroll taxes furthermore they do not have to offer employee benefits such as health insurance workers compensation or pension and profit sharing plans lastly independent contractors are not covered by minimum wage and hour laws and as a result businesses do not have to pay the independent contractors for downtime now the irs on the other hand would like to see individuals classified as employees because it's much easier for them to collect Social Security, Medicare, and federal income tax from one business than collecting self-employment tax or estimated tax payments um, from individuals. Self-employment tax is the way that self-employed individuals report Social Security and Medicare tax for those of you uh, who are unfamiliar with that. Um, Additionally, Independent contractors may reduce their self-employment tax with business deductions. In other words, self-employment tax, although that is how um, self-employed people report Social Security and Medicare, it's based on their net income. So if if they have a lot of deductions, they can reduce the amount of self-employment tax paid. While Social Security and Medicare tax paid to employees is based on gross salary, and never changes it's just based on whatever the gross salary is it doesn't matter if they have deductions so how do you determine whether you have an individual that's an independent contractor or an employee while this is not the only way to determine the employment status revenue ruling 8741 and its 20 point factors have long been one of the main standards used to determine employee versus independent contractor status Now, one thing I want you to keep in mind, and I'm going to go through the 20 items uh, in a minute here, but I want to explain something that is just because you come up and say, hey, 11 of these factors say I'm an independent contractor and nine say I'm an employee, so I win, I'm an independent contractor, that's not how it works. Uh, You could have one or two uh, of these uh, factors that automatically knock you into employee status. Again, keep in mind, and the whole idea of me going through these is to give you an idea of what the IRS is thinking is as they determine whether you're an independent contractor or an employee. So, what I want to do now is get into what some of these factors are. The first one is instruction. A worker that is required to comply with other person's instructions about when, where, and how a job is to be performed would be an employee, while uh, people that don't have the requirement would be considered an independent contractor. I think the easiest way to think of this would be to think of someone like myself, where I am obviously an independent contractor. Uh, If I go in to prepare a tax return or financial statement, I have other clients. My client will typically ask me for a financial statement or a tax return, but will not tell me how to perform the service, whereas if they have an employee they may have a very stringent set of services where they have to do step one, two, three, four, and five in order to perform their job. Training, again, kind of related to instructions. If a worker is required um, to work with an experienced employee or go to certain meetings or use certain methods, again, these all of these training type things, again, would lead you to believe that the person is more likely an employee than an independent contractor. Integration. If integration of the worker's services into the business operation uh, are are necessary, this would generally show that the worker is subject to the direction and control of the employer and, again, therefore an employee. If your work is not integrated, again, go back to my example, if I'm doing a financial statement or tax return, that's not going to be integrated into the client's particular business. Uh, Services rendered personally. If the services must be rendered personally uh, by an individual, that tends to show the person is an employee. Uh, Again, if I get hired, I usually have the ability to form some of or delegate some of my work to an assistant uh, or an employee of my own. Which brings us to hiring, supervising, and paying assistance. If the person that we're looking at to decide whether they are independent contractor or employee, if their assistants are hired, supervised, and paid by the employer, again, this would tend to make these people look like employees. If the person in question has the right to hire their own individual, supervise them, and pay them, uh, that would tend to show that they're independent. Continuing relationship. Uh, again the the irs is going to say a continuing relationship tends to show more of an employee relationship than independent contractor Uh, again this does not have to be the case Uh, i am again an independent contractor in in to all of my clients and i've had certain clients for well over 20 years so just the fact that you have a continuing relationship does not automatically mean that you are an employee but again Tends to lead more to believe for people to believe you're an uh, employee than an independent contractor. Set hours of work. Again, employees tend to have set hours of work. Full time required. Uh, independent contractors pretty much never have um, a requirement to work full time. So if you're required to work full time or you have set hours of work, more likely to show that you're an employee. Doing work on an employer's premises. Again, if you do, you all of your work on an employer's premises the theory would be that you are more likely an employee again this does not have to be the case Uh, again I'm gonna go back to using myself as an example many times I will perform my services at a client's place of business for two reasons one the information that I require just may be more readily available at their place of business and two uh, if you're someone like myself that's pretty much billing for your time and and obviously your time time is money you by working at the client's place of business they're able to see the amount of hours you're actually putting into a project where if you're doing it back in your office maybe they can't Um, order or sequence set again this goes this is very similar to instructions and training if a worker has to perform their particular tasks in a certain order a certain sequence based on you know the company that tends to show that they're an employee and not an independent contractor. Uh, and I'm going to give you a whole, a, a couple of factors here all at once. One is oral written reports. If there's a requirement that, that you must give oral written reports, if you're paid by the hour, week, or month, as opposed to by the job, uh, if you are reimbursed for business and or travel expenses, and if tools uh, and materials are furnished by the employer all of these factors again if you're subject to oral written reports if you get paid by the hour week or month rather than by the project uh if you're if your business and or travel expenses are reimbursed and if tools are furnished tools and materials are furnished by the company all of these things would tend to show that you're more of an employee than an independent contractor uh, significant investment Does the worker have significant investment? Do they rent a facility? Do they furnish some of their own tools? Do they, you know, all these things that would show that they have an investment. If they have an investment, more likely that an independent contractor than an employee. Realization of profit or loss. Independent contractors have the ability to either make money or lose money on a project depending on how well they bid it. If, for example, a contractor bills a client and then finds out that the materials that he or she bid are going to cost them double what they thought, they could lose money on the job. Or if they spend too long on the job, they could lose money on the the job. So again, the ability to make or lose money, especially the ability to lose money would tend to show that somebody is an independent contractor as opposed to, um, an employee working for more than one firm at a time. Again, obviously if you have more than one client that you're working for, more likely that you're an independent contractor than an employee making your services available to the general public again if you do this that would tend to show that you are an independent contractor right to discharge uh, generally employers and employees can let each other go at uh, any point and usually when you're dealing with independent contractors once a contract is signed it's a little bit harder to get out of the deal and again right to terminate that belongs along the same lines so again, these are the 20 factors that are gonna be looked at by the IRS to, to determine, or it's, it's been the general standard of what the IRS has looked at in the past to determine if somebody is uh, an employee or an independent contractor. So what happens if individuals are classified incorrectly? Generally, the IRS can audit for three years. The consequences for misclassifying an individual can be over 10% of compensation paid and tax for three years, plus penalties and interest. So in many cases, this could seriously put small businesses in a hole they can never climb out of and sometimes just put them out of business altogether. So there are some relief measures available and I'm gonna give you some clues on how to use them and what they are, there's basically two big ones. Um, And the first thing I'm gonna say is always, always, always file form 1099. In order to be eligible for either of these relief methods, you must have filed form 1099. So again, I can't emphasize this enough, always file form 1099. So the first and best relief, if somebody is, is classified, is section 530. Section 530 refers to section 530 of the Revenue Act of 1978. Not that important to you guys, but I'm just trying to um, give you a background of what, what it means when they say section 530, because you will hear that term. So, section 530 provides businesses with relief from federal employment obligations if certain conditions are met so basically businesses can be relieved of their obligations both retroactively and prospectively if these conditions are met so basically what's what's what i'm coming forth here is i'm going to give you a three-factor test if you can show that you um, pass all three of these requirements then not only will the people in question be considered independent contractors uh, for any past work performed, they will also be considered independent contractor uh, contractors for any work they perform in the future. So this is definitely the home run. And in order to, to obtain Section 530 relief, really, here are the three factors you have to deal with. Number one, is called the reporting consistency. And the way you, you deal with reporting consistency, consistency is that you have complied with the form 1099 reporting requirements so you have to file form 1099 on any individuals in question so that's why again i go back to where i said always file form 1099 that's one reason always file form 1099 the second the second factor is that you have consistently treated the workers and similarly situated workers as independent contractors that's called a substantive consistency so at at any point somebody in the position that you're looking at now, if you've treated anybody in that same position in the past as an employee, then the person we're looking at now will also be an employee. Okay, But if you've always treated people in that position as independent contractors in the past, then that certainly works in your favor. The third third requirement is that you had to have a reasonable basis for treating the workers as independent contractors. And that could be either based on an industry standard, it could be based on the 20-factor test that we just went through, but again, those are the three factors that you have to that you have to meet in order for Section 530 relief. And again, so if you filed the Form 1099, if you've always treated people in that same position as independent contractors, and you um, have a reasonable basis for doing so, the IRS will allow you to treat those people as independent contractors. Both. For any wages, or or for any wages, for any money you had paid them in the past, and any money you're going to pay them in the future, okay? Now, so again, um, so as long as you meet it, you're in good shape. Now, the classification settlement program is what happens if you don't meet the rules of Section 530. So what does that exactly mean? Let's say that you filed Form 1099, because again, we always have to file Form 1099, but you've met, let's say, one of the other two standards that you've consistently treated workers correctly or you have a reasonable basis for doing so. But let's say it's not 100% certain that you've met both of these standards. You've probably met one of those two remaining standards and and maybe it's not 100% sure whether you've met the other one. There's something called the Classification Settlement Program. And the way that the Classification Settlement Program works is that the um, taxpayer will have to pay uh, payroll taxes on the, on the individuals in question, but only for one year. So not three years, only one year. And in addition, going forward, we'll have to treat these people as um, employees and not independent contractors. There's actually a third. Uh, method that you could also use, and it's but it's really almost like a two-way because it's part of the classification settlement program. There is a voluntary classification settlement program where, in other words, you don't wait for the IRS to come in and potentially find a problem with with your company. You actually go to them and say, "Hey, we've been doing this incorrectly, and we want to uh, want to come clean and get everything straightened out." But again, you will not be allowed to use either Section five hundred and thirty relief. Uh, or classification settlement program relief whether voluntarily or, or, or through contact to the IRS if you have not filed to form 1099 so again if you forget everything else that I'm telling you today please remember anybody that you treat as an independent contractor file form 1099 okay so now what I want to do is explain how are the best ways to guard against reclassification in the first place so what you want to do is make sure clients meet the requirements of Section 530 relief for reporting consistency. In other words, make sure again, and I know I'm saying it a lot, which should mean to you guys I think it's this important, make sure Form 1099s are filed timely. And also make sure that you are substantially consistent, again, that you've always treated people in the position that we're, we're, that's in question now. We want to make sure we've always treated people in that position as 1099 independent contractors. And also make sure we have some type of a reasonable basis. Okay. Also, have the business sign contracts with independent contractors that specifically state they will be treated as independent contractors. These contracts would ideally have ending dates as opposed to being open-ended. Do not allow independent contractors to participate in any employee benefit packages such as health or life or disability insurance or pension or profit-sharing plans. Have independent contractors carry their own workman's comp policies. Do not give independent contractors employee manuals or instructions so detailed as to show control by the business. Have the independent contractors submit bills for services rendered. And lastly, include in the independent contractors file any advertisements that they may have. So, for example, let's say in the old days we used to use a yellow page ad, but anything that you can show, a picture of a truck with some lettering on it, Um, Anything you can find as an ad on on the Internet, anything that shows that they're an independent business, all of these things will help build your case. Uh, Again, be very careful because this is always a hot topic. Again, just keep in mind, employers love to make individuals independent contractors to save all the money that we talked about right in the beginning, while the IRS wants people classified as employees because it's one-stop shopping. So keep those things in mind. Thanks again for listening to the Accounting Tips for Entrepreneurs podcast. If you could please head over to Apple Podcasts, iTunes, or Spotify and leave me a five-star rating and write a review. Also please connect with me on social media. If there are any tax or accounting related topics you would like me to cover, please don't hesitate to reach out and let me know. If you are that small business owner or entrepreneur that really wants to learn more about how to minimize your tax liability and maximize your income just head over to www.jeffcpaworld.com and I'll see you over there. Have a great day.